0: Elbows and forearms on the table. Oh yeah, no elbows on the no table. No elbows and forearms on the
1: table. I don't remember your ma- manners. I'm, I'm trying to remember the man. Did mama teach you that?
2: Yes.
0: Yes, she did. She was, even though she wasn't around a lot, those things stayed in my mind forever.
1: Well, I'm glad. I'm glad she taught you all those things, all those amazing things, because if she didn't, I wouldn't have a wonderful co-host.
0: Well, look at you. Please don't be effusive about me, because then it's going to make me be effusive about you, and we don't need to have that going on. Back Define
1: right effusive.
0: Um, being overly Praising the other, okay. you know what I'm saying. Mark, you suck.
1: <laughs> and this is a podcast for losers. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a podcast
0: for outcasts. That's right, a podcast for outcasts. Apple's and... off the table. You see, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. You 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 educate the audience. Go ahead, go ahead. Let me sip my let me sip my tea.
1: It's finally here after a bevy of production delays, problems, a global pandemic. We're in Mama's basement now. Mama's basement is a journey to discover our identity without all the social fabrications. And we hope that as we set out to find ourselves that
0: maybe you could find yourself too. And maybe laugh a little bit too. I don't know about that. I'm sure they will. This is serious. Production. At least at his face, maybe.
1: This is Mama's Basin. So thanks everyone for coming, uh, See, see, we're gonna have to do this a few times That's and then eventually okay. it'll be natural. It'll listen, be natural. Man, First we
0: sometimes. We do... I didn't, couldn't even do it. My lips was dry. Okay, you just had to show me up. Right? <laughs> Your lips is nice and moist, huh? That's all.
1: <laughs> What excites me about this is, Mark, I've known you for, God, a decade now? Since high school. That's right. And you've seen all sides of me. You've seen the crazy, stupid side, the, the fool that acts out in class. Well, let's not call it stupid. Let's just say goofy. The goofy side. Yes, that's right, that's right. Um, And you've seen my journeys, my struggle to find love, my marriage. Just got married last month. Absolutely. Literally the day before the pandemic (laughs) hit lockdown (laughs) mode. Um, So I think there's a lot
0: I have to learn from you, and
1: hopefully, maybe in return, I could, you know return
0: the favor. Like we talked about before, there's certain things, certain weaknesses that we each have, but because we know each other so well, we're able to learn from one another. It means the world to me that you asked me to do this with you, and I'm so happy that I'm here, man.
1: Hey, man. Honestly, I was in a slump before this. I was looking for ways to, to be creative again and to get my voice out, but you know, I think a lot of creative people try to be creative in like a vacuum. They sit there at home in front of their laptop, try to jot down all these ideas, try to come up with the next big, great thing, but... I mean, stories started around campfires, you know, they're always uh, a group experience. So
0: lay it (laughs) on me. What's wrong with me, man? Who am I? (laughs) Well, well, let's, let's start with what's going on in the world right now. Let's, let's talk about how your family has been dealing with this pandemic. And let's talk about what's been going on in this household, how it affected your wedding and so on and so forth. So let's dive into that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I've been with my my wife now holy that's God. right yeah you better get used to I was saying she's going to say my girl it's like, no that's that's a little uh, was well, she still your girl juvenile. But, well, <laughs> well you know i mean go
0: ahead go ahead do your thing your wife
1: yeah you. i've been with my wife for almost 8 years a little more than 8 years damn and um march 14th has always been a special day for us march 14th is it's Pi day so it represents infinity it's also the day i asked her out uh from my friend's basement over text i was like yo will you be my girlfriend please and she was like <laughs> sure why not um So we kind of decided that's our day. That's going to be our day. And we literally weathered so many storms to finally get to March 14, 2020. And then there's a pandemic. Right. And I almost canceled it. I remember it was like three days before uh, The Atlantic published an article. The headline said, cancel everything. And I woke up and I'm like, hey, Kelly, look at this. (laughs) (laughs) It's over. But, um, you know, I did a lot of prayer and... We went through with it, and it was the night, best night of our lives. And the next day, March 15th, CDC guideline reduced gathering limit to 50. Sheesh. We were one day away from shutting the whole thing
0: down, and my sister, man, she- Oh my, yo. She gave no the speech. sister? Her speech was phenomenal. What was the first thing she said? Oh God, you think I'm that nice? The first thing she said was, ha
1: <laughs> ha, ha ha, congratulations everyone. You're risking your lives to be here. And I was like, oh my God. But I think it needed to be put out there. You know what I remember? When
0: she spoke about your nefarious activities. (laughs)
1: Let's not get into that. The audience doesn't know me that well That's right, that's right. We'll (laughs) leave that
0: aside. But that was hilarious. She was coming at your neck. She She was was putting it all out on the table. Word of advice,
1: do not let your little sister give your wedding speech. They have a treasure trove of dirt that will just come out. And once it's out, you can't put it back. For real. But man, we're here now. Mama's basement. You know, and we said we were going to do it after the wedding. And here we are. And that's somewhat right. After the wedding. And we're trying to figure out our identity. And honestly, when I was in the Middle East last fall, I was talking to my cousins and I asked them the identity question. I was like, how do you feel about your identity? Like, who do you think you are? And they were like, they almost looked at me puzzled. They're like, what is my identity? I guess my identity is what you think of me. It was a very communal way of looking at it, and I think growing up in the United States, we have a more individual, individualized look on identity. Even with that, with that individualist mindset, you cannot ignore and avoid things like your race, your nationality, right. uh, the languages you know, the education you've got. All of these things seem to. Uh, become internalized within us we start to see ourselves we define ourselves by these external factors by you know my faith islam my race syrian my education and screenwriting i start to look at myself through these lenses rather than look at who i am what what do i love right you know what kind of a mark do i want to leave in this world and i think I think that's an active process. I don't think you passively know yourself until you start to ask yourself
0: these questions. Right. I, I agree with that sentiment, and I kind of agree with the, the last part that you hit on, that it's an active journey that you're gonna go through throughout your life because throughout life there's certain phases. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So there's certain phases, as you go through those phases and you reach the next phase, you get enlightened about certain aspects of the previous phase you just went mm-hmm. through. You know what I mean? So at that moment, that's kind of the moment of self-reflection, self-evaluation. Right. You know what I mean?
1: Right. And like identity, it's not like a constant thing. It's always shifting. So that's another thing that needs to be understood. Like Absolutely. Your identity is not static. Number one, it's an active process to figure out who you are. But number two, that in and of itself, who you are today may not be the same thing tomorrow.
0: So Precisely. I think
1: to understand yourself, you need to constantly revisit these questions.
0: And where do we start? That's a wonderful question. So it I guess it could depend on where the person is now. If they feel like they are lost, then they have to ask themselves, well, at what point do you believe that you got off that path? At what point do you believe you lost yourself within that journey? You know what I mean? Because if you're not asking your que- asking those questions throughout those phases, well then you don't you might not know.
1: Right. You
0: know what I mean? So I think it's very important to have those moments of self-reflection, self-evaluation. Um, especially in moments when you're down, especially Mm -hmm. because in those down moments is where you're really going to find yourself and deal with that pain, especially, you know what I'm saying? So once you do overcome that pain and realize where that pain come from, what can I do to overcome this pain, et cetera, that's when you start to realize, okay, this is what got me here. I know I can overcome this. And that just breeds self-esteem and confidence in the future as well. Because you start to look back and be like, you know what? I was down and out here, and I dragged myself right out, and now I'm here. I know I can overcome this. And so that's a, that's a big thing. And I feel like a lot of times we seem to forget the amount of wins we actually do have in our mm-hmm. life. Oftentimes we focus on those losses, those moments, the despair. You know what I'm saying? But in reality, we should really be focusing on the wins. What can we do to be productive? What can we do to keep that mindset so we don't go back to that place?
1: You got me thinking, like, because you made an interesting point. It's like, look at the point where you started to fall off. Right. And see what happened there. And if if I were to look back, I think kind of like high school is really where things started to get complicated for me. Is where I don't want to say I spiraled into depression, but where I guess my identity didn't seem spelled out for me. I had to figure things out. And there were so many complicated unanswered questions and I think I probably found the wrong answers to those questions but excuse me if we are going to uh figure out well what made us who we are today I think it starts even earlier than that like yeah maybe I started falling off in high school but the factors
0: leading up to that
1: collapse happened I think way earlier on don't you
0: think absolutely absolutely so it could Honestly, let's start with you. Let's start with this. So if you were to go back, let's talk about elementary school. Are there any moments that you can think of right now where you think to yourself, hmm, something that I normally do at the house, something that I'm normally excited about, the moment I introduced it to somebody else and they didn't like it, did I change myself because of that? Or did I stick to what I liked? You know what I mean? Because all those little moments start to build up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If it continues to happen versus if you stand your ground and be like, well, I like this. You don't have to like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's there's a specific
1: moment. There's many moments, but one specifically I remember. It had nothing to do with what I like. Okay. But something that I practice. Now, uh, as a Muslim... And I know this isn't exclusive to Muslims. I know many people around the world do this, but we wash our butts. Okay. And we don't just wipe our butt, we wash our butts. Right, right, right. We have a little pot next to the toilet or a bidet or whatever that we use. And elementary school, starting from the day I was introduced to the class, what's your name? My name's Akram. All right, Akram. My, I knew something was different about me. Right. My teacher couldn't even pronounce my name. And actually, Akram became the way I introduced myself to everyone after that. And it wasn't until about... I want to say two years ago that I started
0: reclaiming my real name, Akram. Yeah. And honestly, he didn't tell me until, what was it, like around New Year's-ish? Yeah. When we were talking, and I was like, man, you got me feeling like a horrible, horrible friend. You couldn't even tell <laughs> that's me. That's not my name.
1: He <laughs> like, couldn't even tell me. I'm sorry, but it wasn't my fault.
0: Right, right. It was right.
1: the idea that there's an authority figure, my school teacher, who pronounces my name differently. Uh, and she's the person in charge now, so however she says it, that's the right way. Even though I was raised completely different. Right. But anyways, back to the butt washing. So (laughs) so there was this girl going around the class taking a poll saying, do you wipe your butt? (laughs) What possessed her to do this? I don't know.
0: Oh my God. But when it
1: comes to me, she's asked me this question. Do you wipe your butt? My mind all of a sudden is working real hard. It's like, you don't wipe your butt, you wash your butt. And that's weird. And that's different, you know? So just tell her no, because you know, then you're safe, right? Right. Wiping, washing, that's, that's weird. That's different. That's foreign. So I told her no. No, nah, confidently. And then she goes, ew, a crumb doesn't wipe his butt. And <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of the year, I was the known non-butt wiper.
0: Um kids yeah. can be cruel. Terrible. Kids can definitely be cruel. What about you? Um, wow. Uh for me, I guess it would be like where I went to school, even though we both went to Windermere, which is Mm -hmm. crazy, um, for me, I guess it was the fact, um, like, I guess I wasn't necessarily middle class or anything like that. Definitely on the lower end of the spectrum. So, like, when you would go to school wearing, like, K-Swiss, or, like, you know. K-Swiss is awesome. (laughs) Right, you know what I mean? Or, quote-unquote, buddies. And and you you thinking you look good, you know what I mean? You go to school, Which you probably did, maybe, you know. what <laughs> I mean? But you go to school, fresh cut, fresh clothes, and everything, and then all of a sudden, you know, kids come in, they wearing Jordans, they wearing Nikes, and mm-hmm. you just thinking it's shoes. But now they coming at you, you know what I mean? They making fun of you, making you feel bad because of the clothes you wearing, things of that nature, and it's just like. Those moments, like it's crazy because it illuminates so many differences. Like you start to think, well, well, why can't I have those shoes? Why do they have these shoes? Like what's going on in my household that I can't have these shoes? Why are they making wow. fun of me? You know what I'm saying? Like these thoughts just start going through your head, like I thought everything was good. I thought I looked good. Now you start doubting your clothes. Like all these things start to happen. And that's, that's what it was for me. Like, it's just, it's just crazy looking back and thinking about that, you know?
1: You know, what's interesting is both those things, your case with sneakers and my butt washing (laughs) were not choices we made on our own. No, absolutely. They were imparted on us by our parents. Like your parents bought you your clothes. Exactly. My parents taught me hygiene. And yet we entered the world, we enter society and we're automatically picked apart for these things. Isn't that wild?
0: Bro, let me sip my tea. (laughs) No, I agree. And that's honestly, that's one of my fears. Like when I have a child, like knowing that I can protect them, they're comforted in my home, my arms. I know I'm always gonna hype them up, but as soon as I send them out the door, somebody's gonna make them feel bad for something they have absolutely no control over. And it frightens me. It makes
1: me wonder, like, what did. Bullies parents teach their kids like, if our kids taught us to wash our butts and wear case swiss like what about the kids picking on us? What were they learning at home?
0: Right, right, and honestly, that's that's a wonderful that's a wonderful like segue into How we can always look at the other perspective of things now in that moment when you're a kid You just feel bad because you get made fun of mm-hmm. but like when you look back on it Who knows what his house life was he probably got made fun of by his parents? You know yeah. what? I mean like things like that happen where the parents might come at that child, that child all of a sudden expresses his anger by coming at somebody else because that's all they know. You know what I mean?
1: So essentially our first influence is our parents.
0: Without question. I mean, when we come out the womb, we try to emulate them. You know what I mean? Like we do so many things, even as a child, like we see our parents with babies. What do we do? We get a baby doll. We try to do what they do. You know Mm. what I mean? We try to emulate all their actions because I mean, we really don't know much more. You know, we basically trusting them to show us the way.
1: So I guess it would make sense if we are going to go on this journey to figure out who we are. We need to really understand our parents. We need to understand our parents and our relationship with them. And that can open up a whole thesis of topics. But I, you mentioned the womb, and I think that's maybe a better place to start is our mothers. I mean, I'd like to start with our mother, at least because I'm named after my grandfather, my mother's father. Okay. So... Even before my birth, I was already being shaped and influenced by my mother. I mean, we we are influenced by what they eat when we are in the womb. Oh, We're influenced so by their spikes in blood pressure. If they smoke or if they don't smoke, our mother, the seed of our lives, is basically the roots
0: from which we grow. It's It's so vital that we figure these things out because... I feel like as we go through life, we tend to forget that our parents had lives too Mm -hmm. before us. You know what I'm saying? They had dreams. They had aspirations. And I'm sure they had questions about themselves, about what is their identity? What is their impact on the world going to be? You know what I mean? And so figuring that out, helps figure out what made them parent us the way that they did and then in turn helps illuminate things for us to figure out, okay, they parented us this way because they were raised this way and they went through mm-hmm. these obstacles, etc. And then it could just, you know, just open up more things in our minds to be like, okay, now I understand why she did this while I was growing up. You know what I mean? This is why she focused on this so much. And it just helps us really understand things, at least from our parents' perspective. So you live with your mom. Absolutely. Tell me about that. She's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, it's good. I, I would say, like, you know, during those teenage years, things happen. But as you get older, um, you tend to develop that relationship with them as you become more of an adult. You know, you try to... In stay- an ideal. Exactly. In, a, in an ideal world. Exactly. Obviously, there's still tiffs. I won't even call them arguments. I'll call them little tiffs. And, uh, you know, because... Basically, we're adults now, and they're adults too. They got to live their life. We got to live our life, et cetera. And with my mom, really, she's, although I say she's crazy, she's honestly the most loving person that I've ever met in my life. Like, she'll do anything for anybody at any time, and that's just who she is. And she honestly doesn't have much, but she will always give what she can. And so, for me, that's something that I always try to embody, mm-hmm. something, at least a characteristic of her is that... I try to bring into my daily life, Mm -hmm. no matter what I do. Like, hopefully, people don't see it as inauthentic. Like, I really just try to be there for people, like Mm -hmm. compliment them, make them feel good because you never know what somebody's going through on a daily basis. So I just, I really try to try to be give them a smile, some optimism, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And I really thank my mom for that. Wow. Yeah. She must have been a wonderful woman because you're just a wonderful man. (laughs) Wonderful man. (laughs) Um, oh my goodness. There's a lot
1: of people, unfortunately, I think that would characterize living with your mother as a, especially at our age, right. we're both 26, as like a, I want to say like a failure of sorts. How do you f- respond to that?
0: Well, for me, I'm not really concerned with outside perspective, especially people who don't know what's going on. However, um, that's that's a huge reason why we wanted to do this show. You know, just be able to cast cast a light on the fact that Yes, there are some people our age still living at home, et cetera, but there's so many factors that go into that, not just, oh, they're a failure, or oh, they did this, or blah, blah, blah. It's it's more of just, okay, we might have messed up or had some mistakes here and there, things like that, but that doesn't mean that we're not trying to succeed in life. That doesn't mean we're not trying to accomplish great things in life, so... I think it's just important that we illuminate that, and I think we're gonna do that throughout this entire series. Absolutely, and
1: I still live in my mama's house. This is legitimately her basement. We're not, this isn't like a set in that sense. Like, we're in my mama's basement. That's right, that's and right. And I live with my mama, uh, whether I like it or not. Right. You know? And I think the very idea that some people in our society would regard that as a failure speaks to, I think, the identity crisis within our own society. This is America are we a family oriented culture? Are we an individual oriented culture? Is living with your family, supporting each other mutually as an adult male uh, a failure, or is right. that you know being a part of this unit that we hold so dear right God, country, family you know what a contradiction to say you're a failure for living with your family right. if These are the three most important values right
0: you Absolutely. know what I mean
1: um, so my mom is super important to me. I wouldn't be here without her. I wouldn't be able to make this show without her. I wouldn't have gone through college and grad school without her. I wouldn't... Hey, I'd probably be somewhere I don't want to be right now. Right. You know, I wouldn't have this dream. I wouldn't be a dream chaser. Um, she really enabled that in me. And it was, it was choices that she makes today and that she's made from the day I was born that allowed all of this to happen. And... Some things that I remember early, early on. Now, my mom, she's an immigrant. You know, obviously when you come to the USA, your credentials, foreign credentials don't matter as much. You right. kind of almost have to work your way back up. Yeah. So when I was young, she was doing a lot of that. And uh, she didn't have as much time to do the traditional parenting. So she would uh, put the TV on PBS Kids. She knew that was educational. Absolutely. She would cut up an apple and she would set it there every morning when I rolled out of bed. I would find it ready for me. Wow. I didn't have to ask for it. And I would sit and munch and watch PBS. And that's how I learned English, believe it or not. Wow. And I think that's also where I learned my love of storytelling. Okay. Simple thing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I like that a lot. Yeah. See,
1: that's a little fine detail you never told me. I dig that, man. It's all thanks to mama. And I think if you dig, you'd probably find something like that in your... Like, what's, some, what's an early, early memory you can think of? where your mother's nurturing, forget about shaping you, just an early instance of your mother's nurturing.
0: Uh, <laughs> I guess I would just say that she would read to us every night. You know, she would tuck us in, put us to bed, but she would make sure, especially me when I was young. Obviously, my brother's seven years older than me, so I wasn't there to watch her read to him, but I know she did. There's literally pictures that exist, and I know for myself, like, she read me so many books. I remember the goofy book she read to me, like, all of these things. She would read to me every single night, and I think that was huge because when I did get to elementary school, all the teachers would talk about how well I can read okay. and all these things, and it's because... I was reading, my mom said I could start, I started talking, like, well before I was one, and, like, she said I was reading all these things, like, well before I was two and all this other stuff, so I was like, all right, that's cool, and, like, it meant a lot to me, so it's huge, like, the things, the little things that our parents do and how much it can really shape us and change us and affect us all the way till now. Wow, and you really do got that gift of gab.
1: So try. trying. So you owe that to your mama, and you were elected homecoming king as well. <laughs> oh, my which God. Which is a little you sign of your charm. And oh. you owe that to your mama, oh too. Oh,
0: my God It gosh. should be the homecoming
1: queen. That probably should have oh went right straight to her. Oh, <laughs> my I can't believe we were that. No, but, like, oh, it's, it's just crazy because these little nurturing moments, which seem insignificant Absolutely. in those early, early years, mean everything. And um, the thing is, every mother, every parent is a human being, they're not gonna get everything 100% right. Like, I don't think my mom got every single thing right. No, God, like, no. I wanted to do Taekwondo growing up, and I brought my mom the flyer. I was like, Mom, it's a free month. You can't even complain about the cost. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, Yeah, sure, I'll take you. And she never took me. Oh. Uh, I wanted to play violin, and I never got that thing signed. Oh. You know? That's your fault. No, I brought it to her. Oh, she okay, said, okay. $30. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> like, <laughs> but but anytime i wanted a book she got it for me whenever those scholastic catalogs came in i was like mom i want this this and that she got it for me so i never developed my athletic skills i never really became a musician per se more on that (laughs) later um but my storytelling at least my, my my passion for storytelling was uh nourished and whether she consciously did that or not, whether she was consciously like, I'll oh, buy him any book, but I'm not going to sign up for all this other stuff. Honestly, right. I don't think she was conscious. I think she was really genuinely busy and there were financial struggles, you know, right. Starting right. off in this country. Absolutely. Those choices she made inadvertently shaped me to becoming a storyteller because I had a book to curl up to every night.
0: I like that. And I think it's important to note that that's something that I think a lot of parents, because let's not you know, talk down on parents. There are amazing, a lot of amazing parents who do a lot of wonderful things and go above and beyond for their children. Um, I think one of the main things that I think is a key for a good parent is, a lot of times, even though the kid might be so excited and want this thing and so on and so forth, a lot of parents do a wonderful job of discerning what a child wants versus what they need. Mm -hmm. And I think with that story you just told, your mother perfectly exemplifies that. Although she knows you wanted to play violin, and I'm sure she wanted to give you that. You know what I mean? She understood that right now the necessity is making sure that he's able to read. This will help him down the line. This, You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And I think that's such such an amazing thing, and it's a huge factor in helping develop children. Right, and it's true. I mean, as an
1: adult, I, picked, I bought my own piano. I signed myself up for my own taekwondo classes. Right. Like those things, it's not like she shut those things down exactly, in me exactly. but she made the choice as a mother like reading comprehension language all of that like you know you only absorb that so fast for such a limited period of time right. and yeah maybe I could have been the next Beethoven but <laughs> you know I got
0: Scholastic Scooby Doo books instead. Well, listen, man, those Scholastics were fire. They were. They were. were. And I used to love that. Jake. Now, listen, I wasn't the biggest reader, (laughs) but Captain Underpants. Let me tell you. But we ain't even gotta go there. (laughs) How many times did you tear the page when you did the fliporama? My yo, listen, I was fired with it, man. You gotta place your hands where it's supposed to be, man. They had the four fingers right there. You got the thumb. You gotta handle it, bro. Obviously you wasn't you you those, didn't know how to the, read directions.
1: Those, no, those guys just weren't designed for my fingers.
0: <laughs> What's different between your fingers and my fingers? Look
1: at you got long fingers, mine They're are short long. and stubby.
0: All right, yeah, we, we off topic. Okay. <laughs> so it's interesting, our mothers. Yes.
1: Motherhood is a is an inherently selfless act. You know, from the biological part where we you know literally incubate within our mothers. Uh, to the nursing period where our mothers literally provide our our sustenance until we can get on our own feet. And even then, when we can get on our feet, we don't know how to go to the store, get the things. And fatherhood and motherhood are not equal, neither from a biological standpoint, even a genetic standpoint. Like, yes, both our mother and father give us our genes, but there's a particular organelle within our cells, the mitochondria, that exclusively comes from our mothers. Like, even further proof that our mother is more essential to our nature than our father.
0: And I think our society does not give enough credit to motherhood. It's crazy that you bring this up cause I was actually having a conversation with my girlfriend and we were talking about how not enough is done for pregnant women. You know what I'm saying? So like all that entails a pregnancy. Like I feel like because we are men and because like a lot of policies and laws and things like that have been written by men etc like they don't fully fathom what goes into that 9 months psychologically you know what I'm saying physically etc it's a big big deal right. and i feel like because it happens or because we're used to it now we don't give it the credit it deserves like i was telling my girl like people are always wishing for miracles and doing things like that not really that Birthing a child is a miracle. It's a very difficult thing and a lot of women die. You know what I'm saying? Like pregnancy could be a, a very scary thing. The baby could die. The the woman could die. Like so many things could go wrong. And the fact that we're able to birth these individuals and these women are able to birth these individuals, it's It's truly an amazing thing, right? And like I said, I just feel like it doesn't get the necessary credit that it should, and I feel like so many, so much more should go into it. We don't even got to talk about maternity leave and things like that. Like it should be so much longer. Not to mention, like again, I've never been pregnant because I'm, I'm not a woman. I don't know if this is already readily available for women, but like I feel like there should be like counselors involved for you know what I'm saying because women go through a lot psychologically, Mm -hmm. and I think it's important to make sure that you know, because they are birthing a child, we should do as much as we can to alleviate stress. Absolutely. To be there for them psychologically and anything like that. And I feel like oftentimes we just let it go by the wayside because like I said, women have been birthing children since the dawn of time. Right. You know what I mean? So we just see it as, oh, it's just it just happened. It
1: just And we take
0: it for granted. Exactly.
1: Maybe it wasn't always this way. I think there are things and lessons we've forgotten throughout history. I mean, we have a saying in Islam that heaven lies under the feet of your mother. And just child bearing alone is enough for for that to validate that fact and if you want right. to get to heaven, you need to serve your mom point blank period you know you can 't there 's no other way about it and um, I think we 're a very paternal patriarchal society without question even in film, like the complicated relationships tend to be the motherly relationship, like lady bird like oh, um, man. yeah it 's like complications with the mom and um, Juno, Juno one of my favorite movies. Juno's biological mother, her only presence in the film is that she sends her daughter a cactus plant every birthday, but it's the father who's taking her to have her child, to go through all these experiences. So I really think we ignore moms. We don't give them enough credit. Um, But talking about our moms, she did everything for me growing up. She put me in front of the TV for my first lessons. When I couldn't go to sleep at night, she used to put on Toy Story every single night. Could you imagine putting on Toy Story for your child every single night for over a year? I would Break that VHS in half. Boy, now you know
0: darn well, or damn well, that we wouldn't have done it for three months, let alone a year. Nope. Oh, she oh my never gosh,
1: complained dude. about it. She never made me feel bad about it. She said, you want to watch this movie to fall asleep? I'll put it on again. Put it on again. And that was back when you had to rewind the tape, <laughs> wait there for 10 minutes, and then hit play. She That's did that right. every night That's for right. me. Um, despite all of that, everything, her nourishing me, her teaching me, I rebelled against her as a teenager. Oh man. I gave her probably the biggest heartache of her life. Right. Why do you think we do that to our moms?
0: Um, I think we we had a, a a small conversation about this, but I just think that at that moment or during that phase, it becomes less of, okay, I'm trying to learn as much from our trying to learn as much from our parents versus okay, I think I can figure this out on my own. And so, s- instead of still having that appreciation and respect for our parents, it turns into kind of like this angst that we have towards them, like, you're trying to control my life. Mm-hmm. Let like let me make my own mistakes. I understand you went through it, but I need to go through it. We're different people. Mm-hmm. All these lines that we say as teenagers, et cetera, like, all of a sudden it goes from that respect to, okay, you know what, I'm my own person and I can do this on my own. You know what I mean? But How quick do we forget
1: that literally, if you're 13 and you start rebelling, literally
0: five years like, no, no, let's We don't even got to go that long. Two years prior, your mom was still probably making food for you, doing your laundry. Mm -hmm. You're still living in her house. Like, all these things, you're just not thinking about it, though. Because, again, like... It could be so many factors. It could be school. It could mm. be your friends. It could be all these things that could be influencing you. It could be TV. It could be music. It could be movies. Who knows? You know what I mean? There's so many things that could come into your mind like, okay, well, I see this. Maybe I can do this. Why can't I do this?
1: This puzzled me puzzled me so much, like, especially... I mean, everybody goes through, I think, some sort of a rebellious phase. But for me, it was, I think it was too much of an extreme. I think I rebelled a little bit too much. Like, I lied a lot to my mom. I would never tell her where I'm going. I would Okay, well, let me, let
0: me ask you this question. When you did lie to her, was it just out of fear of what her response would be? Or was it just, you don't care?
1: More the former, I was definitely afraid. But there was also another element going into the identity Like my mom as a devout Syrian Muslim was teaching me and imprinting on me these values that did not jive with the American identity I was born into. For instance, girlfriends were not allowed. That is like the badge that you need to wear on the top of your head. Like when you finally have a girlfriend in America, it's like, I'm a man now. (laughs) I have a girlfriend. I gather change and I take her to get Arizona iced tea. From the 7-Eleven. Trips to the corner
0: store. Exactly. That equates a date. Yes. But I, was,
1: I was deprived of that. I wasn't allowed to have that, I think. Uh, um, but I think a lot of that was my own doing. I think maybe I could have had a girlfriend if I learned to be more honest with my mom. But instead of opening an honest dialogue, I chose to rebel. I chose to lie. I chose to sneak around. And, you know, maybe if I was more honest, my mom would still give her me the work. You know, she would still tell me how she feels about my right. choices. But I think it would be less harmful. Um, and to really figure out like this, the answer to this question, why do we rebel against our parents? I needed to get an expert's opinion. I asked my wife. Mm-hmm.
0: Really? She's, okay. Yep. She's, she's
1: got her master's in social work, credit where credit's due. So I thought she, she would weigh in on this and she'd have some, some gems to share. So if you don't mind, I can do play a think. voice recording. Please. I want to hear it. Cool.
0: Let's do this.
2: Is it recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, so, adole- why are you holding it so close to me? Better audio. Quality. Okay. Um, so, yeah, adolescence isn't really a thing. It's a societal construct, basically, because when we're living with our parents, we turn into adults, but we're still being treated like children, and that is essentially what adolescence is. It's that conflict. So, basically, you, you're, you look at your parents not as like these people who are trying to look out for you and take care of you and give you what's best. You're looking at them as people who are not listening to you, who are invalidating your, your, your feelings Mm -hmm. and your thoughts as people who are stifling your growth and hovering over you and not allowing you freedom autonomy. That's the word you said autonomy. And that is a perfect word. We want autonomy. That's when we start wanting that in adolescence and that stage of our lives. We want that biologically. We want that because of society and it's, it's creation of this phase called adolescence. We're not able to get that. And that's where we get irritated, we get uncomfortable. That's why we start being mean to our parents because we look at them as the bad guy.
0: I think we can you No, know, I there. I like that a lot.
2: Adolescence.
0: And, and I agree with that a lot. But you also have to remember there are millions of kids who don't rebel. They go with the flow. You know what I'm saying? They they stick with it, they listen to their parents, they understand and they're perfectly fine with it, you get what I'm saying, mm. so that's the other hand that I want to you know dive into because that is the other side of things because we are exploring perspectives
1: that's true so were you more the go with the flow kid or were you more the rebel
0: uh I for the most part, I would listen to her. I'd come home on time, I'd try not to stay out too long, et cetera, do those mm. things. But obviously, when you're with friends and all of a sudden you're having a good time and you don't want to go home and your mom's blowing up your phone and you're just hitting you know mm-hmm. the silent on it, you know what I mean like it happens, and you already know how that goes. The parents are could start calling your friends and oh. stuff, like they'd be like, "Oh, have you seen Mark Where is it like one time I rejected my
1: mom's call, <laughs> and she literally showed up in my friend's garage <laughs> like. 15 minutes later. Yo. Why did you not answer your phone? <laughs> and this was the bombshell because we were smoking in that garage and my secret girlfriend at the time who's now my wife was with me. <laughs> so I was just like boom, boom, yeah. over. Oh my Game over. No more secrets. But you know what? That was actually the turning point in our relationship because up until that point I was hiding who I really was from her. I was hiding the fact that you know, I'm I'm smoking mom and I was hiding the fact that I'm seeing this girl and it all came out in that moment when she just pulled up to my friend's garage and honestly I think that was the beginning of the healing of our relationship you'd expect that to be the moment where it all comes crashing down where it's like I can't see my girl anymore I can't see my friends anymore but I think at that time she took Kelly it was her first time meeting Kelly and she said I just love Ekron so much I worry about him smoking can you just look after him wow and from then on it was like okay well there's nothing for me to hide anymore from my mom so I'm just gonna start being myself again and I think that's when our relationship healed I think at the end of the day whether or not the par- there's an onus on the parent to have an understanding that your teenage child is now in a biological adult. Like my parents didn't give me that space and that room to breathe, that room to make mistakes and learn right. from them. They were very much like yeah, almost military-like with their observance of my habits. I remember. <laughs> I think it's still on me as a child to, to be the open and honest one. And I think I can't fault them for being a parent but I can fault myself for not being true to myself in their presence, as difficult as it was. Like I should have taken that extra whooping for, <laughs> you know, it's worth it to be you. Nah, no, definitely. seriously, because all of my identity problems and the, the reason why I'm here right now in Mama's basement and not a multi-billionaire <laughs> <laughs> is because of this identity crisis. Right. I've lost so much time of personal growth oh, trying to figure out who I am, and I think it all started with the little lies that I would tell my mom. Because you start out lying a little bit. You start out saying, well, you know, I'm going to the library when really you're going to a party. Right. But like from there, it diverges and all of a sudden you don't know what's the lie and what's the truth anymore. Who is the kid that was raised by your parents and who are you? Right. Who are, who's the man that's being raised by everyone else? You know, um, so I should have I just been honest and, and, and taken whatever punishment. Because at the end of the day, I still ended up getting punished. <laughs> you know, you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide from that's mom. That's
0: so true. That's so true. And honestly, I agree with you. It, it really isn't just incumbent on the parent. Um, the child should have a little bit of say in there as well. Like, <laughs> if you want to be viewed as an adult, well, that's what adults do. They right. take accountability for their actions. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, it was the same thing with my mom. Um, oh, God. When I first told her that I smoked, on God, she cried like she cried. I had to hold her in my arms, and she she was crying like, "What did I do?" Like she was, she really thought it was an indictment on her parenting. She was like, "I did everything for you," and I'm like, "Mom, mom, please." Please. It was a choice I made. It's not against you. I'm so sorry. So you just straight up told her. Yes. She didn't have to, like, well, catch you. Okay, let me, let me go back a little bit. He's not an angel. <laughs> let me go back a little bit. I'll just say I had this one... Like, I was able to get away with it from my mom for a long time. Then one day I just got really disrespectful. Um... I was in my house, I was in my room, it was me and like three, four of the people. We rolled up them thick joints. Dude, like, I think I was one of those yes, people. Yes sir, you were. And we rolled, uh, basically it was a lot. And let's just say we baked out my room and I didn't open no windows, didn't have no spray, didn't have nothing, and we just left. We didn't do no, we didn't put no candles on, we just left, we just straight up left. My mom came home, 30 minutes later, blew up my phone. My, why the house smell like this? What is this? I'm like, Ma, I, I don't know. I cooked something and it just kind of smelled bad. I don't, I don't know. And then uh, the next day I came home and I was like, listen, Ma, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I've been smoking, you know, and that's when she just burst into tears, yo, and it, it, it killed me. I ain't smoked for like two weeks. Wow. Yeah, man, it was sad. But eventually she came around and honestly it was the same thing with, with sex because I purchased some condoms and she seen them and I was like, listen, Ma. Um, I didn't have sex yet, but I'm planning on it. (laughs) And 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 pretty much, I'm just trying to be as safe as possible. You know, um, you know,
1: (laughs) I still haven't talked to my mom about that. I'm 26 (laughs) year old, married, and me and my mom don't talk about it. We got close yesterday. Oh man! Yesterday, my mom out of the blue, she's like, "It is my opinion." That married couples should not use contraceptive. They should be open to whatever God wants for them. Oh my so she just came out and said that She just said that and I was like, well, you know, mom, I kinda have a foolproof contraceptive with you in the house. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we don't really talk about that stuff. No, it's just kinda like a mutual understood like, you know.
0: Absolutely.
1: Don't ask, don't tell. Oh man. But yeah, honestly, like I really wish I was more more true to her because I think being true to your parents in some way is being true to yourself, and I think if you're if you're struggling to to find yourself, look at the little lies you maybe told your parents, and, and start there. Um, because if you can't be you in front of the people that raised you, how could you ever be you?
0: You know? Absolutely, and honestly, I will even piggyback off that and say like even moments when it's not even just your parents, yourself. Hmm. Like, don't lie to yourself. Be real with yourself as much as you possibly can because we tell ourselves so many things, whether good or bad. Yeah. Oftentimes, like, we're just there, ready to doubt ourselves so quickly. And it's like those little things continuously build up and eat at our self-esteem. So it's important that we introduce that positive self-talk into our vernacular on a daily basis. 100%. And I'm not trying to say, like, I don't
1: know about... Blind obedience, like when you when you're a kid, when you're young, if you're under 13 and you're listening to this, just do whatever your parents say. <laughs> um, but like going into adolescence, I think you will have disagreements with your Absolutely. parents, and there will be times when you're right. I think one time I was right. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Time will tell. If my if my mom could write my life story, I'd be a dentist right now. And you know what? Maybe she's right because I'd have money. But. <laughs> We wouldn't be doing this.
0: That's right. Uh, that's right.
1: You know, I wouldn't be. I want to be me. You know. So there's, there is, there are going to be points where you need to consciously walk away from what your parents have spelled out for you. However, I think to be fully you, you also need to recognize and appreciate what are those little seeds your your mom planted to still get you there. You know, absolutely. Like like the stories that my mom would let me purchase and the TV she would let me watch and you know her just being a creative person like she's a orthodontist but I I would flip through her journal and see all these drawings and sketches and like knowing that in me in my creative pursuits was some element of my mother or is some element of my mother Um, and you have to be brave enough to admit it like you are not the cause of your success Very much, if you're a successful person, you need to
0: kiss your mom's feet for that. Don't you think? Absolutely. And having the mother, having the love of family and those of those who support you, basically, is... Vital. Um, I don't think there's many successful people who will sit there and say, yeah, I literally just did this myself. It was just me. I came up here. Everybody else who was by me, F them. Don't matter. By myself. Nah, it didn't happen. Like, you know what I mean? Everybody gets help from somebody. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, this is basically how life works. We are in this together. And your mother never stops being your mother. Oh my God. She never
1: stops being your mother. I mean. Not a single moment. I thought like, hey, when I'm 18, when I finally graduate college, I'm going to be on my own. I won't need my mom as much anymore. I'm literally, I'm still dependent on her and I'm not ashamed to admit it. She's very much supports my endeavors. She very much supports me, not just financially, emotionally, mentally, you know. She's my rock. And like the sooner you realize that, I think the sooner you can get on your own path, the more you duck and hide from your mom's influence, boy, (laughs) you're going to be in trouble trying to pick up those pieces wherever you left them.
0: Exactly, exactly. And man, I, I just love that we're doing this so much because like you stated, it is so important to appreciate your mothers because they do so much for us. And... It just means the world to me, like I'm so happy with the relationship that I have with my mother now, mm-hmm. um it really means the world to me, and like when she tells me things like she told me the other day that like she doesn't know where she'd be without me, it just it it makes me feel like, my God, like I don't know where I'd be without you <laughs> like right. it's just it means the world, and I'm glad we have that that relationship and 100%. and like you stated with 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 the kids like under 13 and things like that, Like I know it's difficult. You want to be your own person. And even when you're 13 or older and stuff like that, it's just so important to remember that although you're going to have your own views and you want to do things on your own, figure out a way to respectfully speak with your parents. Don't push them away. Don't do those things. Actually take in their wisdom and then take their perspective, apply it to your perspective and have a nice coalition of Mm -hmm. both. And Mm -hmm. I think doing that is awesome and it leads to a much better path than hiding trying to lie like because it's just going to eat at you in the long run
1: i think if you're having difficulty with your parents the best thing you can do is to be their friend because one thing that we forget is our parents are human beings right and half the time i think they don't want to parent us as much as we think they do it's like oh god like he screwed up again i gotta right, like yeah. they gotta set the foot down and i don't think that makes them happy as you think it does right you know be their friend just try to figure out what their dream was and i think like i said that turning point in my relationship with my mother was when she showed up to that garage when everything was out in the open and then we could be friends you know and i stopped looking at them as this authority figure right. that's capable of punishing me and and, and whatever I started seeing them as another human being who had this awesome and difficult responsibility of raising me, and I wanted to learn more about them.
0: I don't know if there's much more to say. Honestly, we we just keep going on and on. Yeah. This, is, this is how we feel. We love our parents. This is why we did Mama's Basement. I mean- We in Mama's Basement. That's right, we here. I love you, Ma. Love you,
1: Mom. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Please subscribe, share, and hug your mother. Well, from six feet apart. Don't get her sick. <laughs> um, but thanks so much. If you have any questions, any comments, any suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at podcastforoutcasts at gmail.com. I set that up today. I
0: like that. I like that. Um, I didn't want really, to really touch upon everything I want to talk about, but I think we're good. I think we did okay. I'll Be right yeah. back. Should I say something better than okay? Should it be a better adjective? I think we did well.
1: Mama's Basement, a podcast for outcasts, was made possible with post-production support by Barack Spoth, animation by Jacob Huss, intro and outro music by Charlie McCormick, marketing by Inderjeet Singh, with a special thank you to Naryan Guyan. Every episode will also premiere on YouTube, so if you want to see us, check out our channel simply titled Mama's Basement. We'll be here every Sunday. This is a True Intent production shot in my mom's basement. Oh boy, see ya.